Get out your coffee, people. It is time to brew up a fresh batch of baseball. It's Coffee and Baseball. I'm Bernie. And I am Ryan. And after many technical issues, we yes. are recording. Somehow, somehow we manage. We're somehow. I love when uh, cables go bad. Makes no sense, but uh, you get a bad cable. So, And this anyway. will be the topic of the show all day. All day. I'll bring it back up. Ranting about cables, Max. I now have a really long cable running all over my desk, but hey, it's a mess. Uh, uh, Ryan, good some... to have you back. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm happy to be here. Uh, we've got a uh, a lot of good baseball to talk about. It's fantastic because what we're like twelve games into the season or something like that. So we still have a uh, hundred and fifty to go before playoffs. Uh, it really warms we... my heart. We're we're finally at the point of the season where we can actually like, it's no longer just like random statistical uh, variations. It's now officially slumps when people are bad and uh, good players when people are good, uh, which is like at least from a uh, from a let's talk about baseball perspective. It's at least like okay, now we can actually have a conversation about it. I feel like last week when we were talking, we were just like. Yeah, I mean, he's played five games. I'm not going to kill anybody over five games. Yeah, five-game stats are a little funny to me. Um, We're getting closer to where we can really start to see who's grooving, who's not, um, and and kind of, I think, how the season's going to start laying out in front of us. We're starting to see the the Southern California teams emerge this season. Oh, that's beautiful. Which, uh, boy, let's let's hope that the A's, the Angels... So the Angels can keep it up because they got a fun they got a fun roster. Uh, we'll, we'll get to they that. won't, but you know what? Maybe I'll be wrong again because uh, I was absolutely about as wrong as I could get on uh, Otani. On Otani, yeah. So Otani, I have also my uh, another Bernie pick. My uh, my AL Cy Young uh, Tyler Glass now absolutely looks like the Cy Young right now, which is exciting. So For a young predictor such as myself. <laughs> Let's uh, let's dive in. We have a, we have a. Wait, did we change our? Oh, we did do a different op-ed. So never mind. Our first story won't tie into our listicles or op-ed at all. Uh, but maybe it will because I'm probably going to add it back in. Um, Please. <clears throat> we don't know anybody anything. Let's talk about one of the most important uh, pieces of baseball, right? Umps, yeah. Umps have uh, a very, very difficult job. I will give them that much credit. And you know, the thing to be a successful ump, you have to just be confident in whatever decision you made. Now, that used to be the way uh, for a very long time. What was the the man? The guy who got so much slack for the blown call of uh, ruining the no hitter. I don't know his name, but but he he he's the only ump that's ever been like I blew the call. I'm really sorry. Came back and, it was and blew like the, the call. Best moment, right? But at that yeah. time, they didn't have replay. Uh, you just kind of the ump made the call. That's what brought about. That's what brought about replay. That was that was <laughs> it. So now we have this super high tech replay that uh, takes place in New York, where they supposedly even have more cameras than we have access to on the TV. I, I rarely buy that. Do you buy that they have more cameras no, than we I don't we buy it at all, because why wouldn't they show us? But that's, that's their insane. claim, right? Sitting in this lair that looks like they're the bad guy from a spy movie, and they can see everything. And, uh, you know, unlike the NFL, 
the umps just go over, they put on these headsets, they stand there like they're doing something. They're not. They're just <laughs> waiting for New York to say what Which the call is. Which is, to be fair, that's the right system. It should be it like third right party way. neutral. It should be somebody in like a dark, relaxed setting. You know what I mean? Like it should not yeah, be like they have you're no, squinting, you're trying to see the, yeah. You know, they have no, no, nothing to gain or lose by by doing this. That's why the NBA and NFL is kind of silly because I sometimes feel like the NBA especially will be like, well, I don't want to look bad at the fact that I'm wrong, so I'm just going to say call confirmed, right? Like, at, at, at the risk of going on a real long rant, I think the NBA replay system is like, and I, and I don't want to sound like the old man in the room, it's absolutely ruining basketball. The last minute of a basketball game can take 25 minutes because yeah. everything that happens, they stop everything and they review it for 10 minutes. It's just No, I, it's I agree. Nonsense. And that's, that's also kind of my problem with uh, – we'll get to our point here. But that is also my problem with the current replay system in baseball, right? It's like sometimes it's absolutely obvious they know it before you even walk over to yeah. uh, uh, the <laughs> – the headset and yet they'll sit on it for like two minutes like come on you talk about speeding up pace of play yeah you talk about put on the headphones play, yeah. and be like safe great on your way so anyway uh overall you know the the replay works pretty well um i think it's we, we've discussed this before i think it's silly when they use replay for when a guy comes off a of base like an inch i don't think yeah. that's ever the intent of replay um replay is there to see did he beat did he beat it Oh, he beat it. Okay, great. Now, if he slides off the base, fine. But, you know, these little centimeters, whatever. Anyway, uh, great game between the Phillies and the Mets. Uh, was it? Wait, it wasn't the Mets. It was the Mets. It was? Why did I was think it was not? the Phillies Braves? I think it's it was Phillies the Braves. Braves. I wrote Mets. NL yeah. East. Phillies uh-huh. Braves. Good. I remember because the Braves are wearing their awesome uh, blue and white uniforms right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're old schools. Yeah. Uh, great game. Tied in the top of the ninth, 6-6. Six, six. Uh, shallow uh, sacrifice fly to left field. Ozuna gets it. Great throw. Beats the the runner to the plate. Call is safe. And then... Uh, you know, of course, they challenge it, go to replay. Um, John Boy did a great breakdown of this, showed all three angles at the same time. Which always, I'm glad he did that because as, as, as me and Ryan both work in, in like video in general, like since I was in high school, I was like, I don't understand why they don't line up both angles at the same time with the same time code. I'm like, this technology exists. It's not crazy it's number matching and you can see oh from this angle i can tell this is when he hits the bag and then from this other angle i can tell this is when he gets tagged because it's it's rare the pro i mean fundamentally and i do feel for whoever's making the call when they usually do it like it is hard to see when you touch a bag versus a tag in in, given an angle you know what i mean like angles are 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 just inherently going to be difficult to to see there is one angle they showed that it does look like oh the edge of his foot caught the plate there but when shown with all the other angles, he's like two inches off the plate. Like he. And to be fair, it. that's that's kind of why I I actually like have the unpopular opinion that like this was like I I watched that John Boy video and I watched the play and I watched the replay 
And dude, like I personally, like I, I didn't, I, I wouldn't have been able to make any call on that. I would have been like, I don't know. There was a lot of dirt flying everywhere. Everyone yeah, I, seems to really be sure he was safe or out. <laughs> yeah, he. I mean, my argument. So anyway, replay said, uh, call confirmed. He was safe at the plate. Uh, MLB has not acknowledged it after the fact. They are just doing what they do, brushing under the rug. I hope everybody stops talking about it. I think it's a season. terrible call personally. Um, and I think that's what replay is here for. So it's a bummer when you watch something uh, that, in my opinion, is blatantly obvious and replay, you know, doesn't uphold it. Do you know? I don't even know this. Is it like a challenge system in baseball? How does that work? Do they yeah, just the, replay the manager will challenge. Manager has you get like a certain number of challenges. Two. Uh, and I don't really even remember the whole thing. It's like, you know, if you win. Oh, if you like win the NFL, the, I don't, you know, I actually don't know. I, I feel well, like if you win what? it, you get another or something like that. But uh, like re- replay rules in general in sports are so funny because it replay rules are the moment that you really realize that like, oh, this is all entertainment. Like it's like it's in the official rule book of baseball, which is about people throwing balls at each other and hitting it with a stick that like this is the right way to video challenge. And when you win a couple, you and it's like it turns into such a game show at that well, point. Well, of course. And then they have things <laughs> that they're like, oh, well, you can't challenge that play. Yeah. I'm like, well, why, it's why can't I challenge? You should be able to challenge balls and strikes. That I one. think that would be hilarious if you could challenge balls and strikes. Yeah, so. Umpires <laughs> would lose their fucking minds. You know, basically, it, it, was, a, it was a pretty bad, uh, a pretty bad call, I think. Um, so. You know, uh, yeah. we'll 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 get into it more because I'm going to add our op-ed back that we were going to talk please. about. Please, please. Uh, I, I I had re- I had referenced the op-ed in our chat, but I had not actually put in any work on it. So we can just switch it over to yours if you prefer. Uh, moving on, uh, the SoCal squads are rolling. As I said, Dodgers, Padres, Angels, all top three in baseball. Uh, the Padres. It's very impressive how well they're doing because. Their best players out, uh, and their pitching has been good, not great. Uh, and one day, you know, on one day, Blake Snell is is mowing down fools in opening day, and then he's giving up, you know, seven runs to the to the Pirates. <laughs> and you're just kind of like, when when did this happen? Uh, and then, of course, the Angels, uh, which has been great because Shohei Otani is super fun to watch, as Ryan kind of referenced. In the beginning. Oh man! Oh man! I, guy. I've been wrong in my life, but I, <laughs> I don't know if I've been this wrong, uh, in a in a long time. Every time I turn around uh, on Twitter, there's a new highlight of Otani that's posted, and it's something crazy too. It's not like oh we're trying to make highlights. It's like oh the fastest hit ball out of a park. Oh the you know like. He's he is uh, running away with with uh, with baseball yeah, right be. now, and uh, I yeah. Angels to me again. I've I it'll be interesting to see if they hold up. Uh, you know, historically they don't, but no, <laughs> maybe there's something different this year. It would be uh, I would take a, a Dodgers Angels uh, World Series. Actually, no, I wouldn't. I take that back. I don't want a Dodgers Angels World Series. The only people that would watch it is 
LA. Yeah, I mean, it would be the worst thing for base. Well, no, it would be a great thing for baseball because it would be Mike Trout versus the best team in baseball. Uh, I would love a Dodgers-Angels World Series just for the names alone. Uh, The Angels have the hitting, man. They have the hitting. Uh, For them, it's always, always, always a question of can their pitching hold up. And in a season like this where, you know, nobody knows what's going to happen to the pitchers once they push, you know, Hundred innings, we're going to start seeing some some interesting load management with that. Uh, so I'm, I'm a keeping record. a close eye on it. Uh, they're seven and five. Ugh, I mean their their differential is negative four. <laughs> well, you know it's it's crazy. Listen, let's let's enjoy the storyline while it's here. Let's enjoy Otani. Let's enjoy Trout. Let's see. And Dodgers are are ten and two, and their differential is plus thirty two. So yeah, well, the Dodgers always have a great differential, though. Yeah, let's not yeah, let's not get it twisted. Uh, the Dodgers are like the top differential team. Like that's the, if you were to be like, what do the Dodgers always do that makes them so good? I'm like, their run differential is like to, forget all the advanced stats. Just look at the run differential of the Dodgers versus every other team in baseball. Because there's other teams that get records up there with the Dodgers. And then you look at the Dodgers' run differential, and you're like, oh, the Dodgers are winning games easily, and every other team is working really hard. <laughs> it's true. It's uh, very true. It's crazy. Um, and then finally, Ryan, we got some no-hitters in baseball. Uh, been a week and a half in, we already have two. It's very exciting. Uh, Justin Joe Musgrove tossing the first no-no in San Diego Padres history. Isn't that amazing? Like It is surprising. It is, And they've had some great pitchers over the years. Yeah. I mean, I would have thought... Especially a no-no, not not a perfect game, right? Because a perfect game is is like basically impossible. But a no hitter is actually like a borderline pretty achievable yeah. statistic in baseball. Tosses their first one, uh, first year in uh, in San Diego, and uh, gets in their first no-no. The San Diego kid, yeah, it's great, man. Uh, Musgrove is uh, part of a long tradition of highly hyped pitchers who uh leave pittsburgh and then are immediately incredible <laughs> i mean we already talked about glass now as the cy young garrett cole already has does he have a cy young if he doesn't have one he deserves He'll at least one. one yeah he's phenomenal and then you got joe musgrove i mean yeah we've already ranted on the pirates on this podcast uh the other no hitter uh, last Which, night, Carlos Rodon. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, but as we were going to say, you were just talking about how difficult a perfect game is, and uh, he was on the brink of one, right? Yes, Carlos Rodon on the brink of a perfect game, one out away, uh, hits the uh, or maybe two, it was one or two outs. I I do forget which, but he hits either the eight hole or nine hole batter uh, in the foot on like he was pitching inside all night and and. Let's call it what it is. The umpire had a, a reasonably generous inside strike zone. I believe the uh, first or second, yeah, the first batter out in the ninth uh, struck out looking on a pitch that was a good like four or five inches uh, inside from the strike zone. Like it was, and it, it was, it's, it's always great when you have kind of the strike zone box and then um, the announcer who like sees the angle will just go, yeah, that was a slider. It caught the inside of the plate. And you're like, your broadcast technology says otherwise, my friend. <laughs> I know that I know that it because because it's, it's weird, right? Because like when those sliders come on inside and you see the ball kind of hit like that technology is trying to show you where the ball crossed the plate. It's not trying to show yeah. you where the ball ended up. And no. so 
to it I, I will give them it does it does like give the visual appearance of the ball like maybe catching right on the corner but like the technology is not it's not where he caught it you know no. so no. like it was it was funny that was a good you know four or five inches inside um and then he hits the i'm gonna say the next batter in the foot similar pitch just too low uh and just like he was so loose, which was incredible, that he smiles at the guy and basically jokingly yells like, oh, he couldn't get out of the way, <laughs> which I thought was great. Uh, so he gets the no-hitter. Uh, that was the other thing, too, is I noticed the, the broadcasters were like, they were like, Cleveland really made him work for it tonight. And I was like watching the game like they did it. Like, like he did the whole thing on like 110 pitches. He had like wow. 90 pitches going into the ninth. And two of the three, well, three of the four batters in the ninth really like went down like 0-2 or 1-2 immediately, like in the ninth. It was literally the last batter was the only like Indian the whole night who thought that maybe he could work a count. Now, uh, now here's a question for you. If you're that last batter, right? let's say a yeah. guy's throwing a perfect game. Yeah. And you're that last batter. Are you like really driven to uh, break up his perfect game? Or are you oh, yeah. kind of at that point like, uh, do I do I just want to let him have it? Uh, you you want to break it up for sure. Right? right? Baseball you is a game be that by assholes for yeah. assholes. Like it's <laughs> Plus, you, you don't want to be that guy on the replay forever when he pitches his last pitch. Right. Whiffing. And uh, you're, you're forever in history as there, there he is throwing his perfect game. You were the last one to swing, like like the the losing pitch of the World Series when Boston beat uh, the Dodgers and Manny uh, Machado swings and like falls on his knee to strike out, and it's like that's the replay that everybody <laughs> uses. <laughs> Even like, though it's like it was like a four-one like resounding victory, but like oh, let's yeah. just look at the last shot. Let's just the, look at that last one. Absolutely, last one. yeah. No, it's pretty rare that you see like the highlight moment as much as just the final moment when it comes oh, yeah. to baseball highlights. Uh, let's let's move on, right? Let's go to the op eds. What do you say? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, I'm noticing this season, uh, season of aces, in my opinion. Uh, this week was one hell of a week for stud pitching. Uh, first, we had uh, Giolito versus Bieber uh, in an absolute instant classic with Shane Bieber uh, basically going nine, uh, not perfect innings, but nine uh, no-run innings, uh, absolutely unhittable. And then technically, even though I think he did not pitch the 10th, he was like the winning pitcher because his team was the bottom of the 10th or something. Something to the effect of he technically gets credit for the runs that they scored in the top of the 10th. So that makes him the first pitcher to go more than nine innings since 2012 and get a win. Right. Uh, technically. And then Giolito went seven scoreless that same game. He was incredible. Uh, I referenced it earlier. Tyler Glass now K'd up 14 <laughs> In his last start, uh, seven and a third or two thirds, uh, you he's know, incredible. Tampa Bay and their pitching sometimes is just unreal. They they just they just see the whole board, man. They just see and, and and let's be really fair. Tampa Bay has a really really big time hitter or pitchers park, and mm-hmm. they build their team around that. Like they have Kevin Kiermaier patrolling center who for years and years and years has been, if not the best, one of the best defensive center fielders. Uh, 
again with that big outfield that's huge um and then defensively they've always had really great guys uh i actually don't know how good willie adamas is defensively but he must be solid if the rays let him play yeah i was gonna say um yeah but they yeah no the rays are incredible when it just comes to just like they just find these great pitchers whether they draft them whether they trade for them brett honeywell who's another guy who's uh he pitched um, – I, I saw this incredible stat the other day. So he pitched last night, the first, like, two innings. He was the opener for the Rays. He was, like, the top pitching prospect in baseball for, like, a year or two. Uh, last pitched in the majors in 2017. He, like, had his cup of coffee in 2017. Since then, four elbow surgeries. Oof. And he came back to pitch last night. Like, fucking incredible. Just, like – you got to that's you got to you got to root for a guy like Oh, you really got to give it to him on that. Yeah. Since 2017. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Four elbow surgeries since his last appearance in the majors. And I think wow. he's still like I think he's like 26. He's not super old. Brett, it's like Brett or Brent Honeywell. Wow. Brett wow. Honeywell. Brent Honeywell Jr. is 26. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Crazy. Well, th- good for uh, him for not giving up and, uh, you know, yeah, working his dream. way back. Yeah, live the dream. Working his uh, way back. Ryan, someone you got to see live and in person, uh, Trevor Bauer, <laughs> speaking of his great pitchers, not only is he mowing fools down, but he uh, is still doing that weird one-eye thing, uh, which I was telling you pre-podcast, I was like, with that like aggressive beard, he's kind of starting to grow. The one eye, like he looks like an old like sea captain or like somebody, you know, he's like been like weathered by years at sea and he's just got like the one eye and the beard and everything. So, uh, but he's looking phenomenal too. Being there, of course, I can't see his face that close because I don't sit that close. Um, right. Was he closing his eye again during the, his last start? He, yeah, 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 he was. He did, uh, I think, just one pitch that way, but it was, it's, and he, and he got a guy to ground out to shortstop doing it. Uh, He's just like he's he's a know. weird dude. He's a he's a very interesting dude. Uh he's starting off great. Uh yeah. he looks great. Um he got in a little trouble, I think, in like second inning, and then after that was like cruise control. You know. Yeah. Um but you know, so far, I mean <sighs> I don't know if anybody's really worth forty two million dollars, but so far he's uh living up to his contract. I guess I would say you guys got to pay somebody, man. You got Mookie. <laughs> who, who besides Mookie are you guys tied to long term? Uh, no one. Like no one. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, like honestly, our books in 2022 are ridiculously clear. Yeah. Um, Avoid that luxury got, tax. Yeah. You know? We've got a lot of people uh, to potentially resign plus we have a lot of people that their arbitration years are you know approaching an end i don't know when belly uh and so seager of course this is last year Um, they didn't get anything worked out before the the season started so i think he's going to test free agency um of course i personally would love to have him back but it will it will see how it goes, and then I think Belly and Bueller are getting closer. They're about to hit arbitration, if I'm not mistaken. Which Bueller, in my opinion, they won't let go because that's the heir apparent 
uh, of Kershaw's throne, you know, to take well, over the Dodgers. Mention, I think I think the one thing we've really noticed the past couple years in baseball, the trend is that when you find good pitching, you gotta hold on to it if you can. And I think that the Dodgers having such clear books, it's kind of like you might as well invest in good pitching because you developed it. Like 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 Bueller's a great example of like they like have kind of been babying his arm. Like not to the oh. degree of like Julio Urias, but like they've been babying that arm for years. Well, like they yeah. are invested. Because he started with Tommy John, and wow, so <laughs> we, you know, uh, instead of facing arbitration with Bueller, we signed him to a two-year, $8 million contract uh, between, t- so 2021 and 2022, two-year yeah. contract. 2023 is arbitration three, 2024 is arbitration four. He's not a free agent until 2025. Yeah, you guys are gonna you guys are gonna underpay the shit. That is bonkers. I didn't realize that it wasn't until twenty twenty five. And then let's see, uh, he'll be what thirty at that point, right? And Bellinger, we don't have to pay until twenty twenty four. That's how baseball is the weirdest sport when it comes to let's see people. How old is uh, Walker. Walker is, Bueller is 26 right now. So if you're not paying him for four more years, you're waiting until he is 30. I am blown away at how baseball works sometimes. Oh, hey, he's almost got my same birthday. That's kind of cool. Um, all right. Well, you know, uh, I got his jersey of the gold edition one, so he'll yeah, he be a did. Dodger for a while. Max has a Mookie. Max showed me yesterday. Yeah, Max, Max got the Mookie. Um, all right, so continuing on. Yeah, let's let's move right on to the I uh, last night I just had Corbin Burns is also looking good. We don't need to talk about it. He's just looking great. Uh I find that every episode I'll maybe make one Brewers note per episode, kind of out of nowhere, and I feel like we tend to skip it. I don't know what it is, but this is not the first time that I remember skipping Cuz they changed their the Brewers park name from Miller Park, which was just beautiful to like some ridiculously long life insurance part. Oh, really? Yeah. I, 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 I like. I love to just call stuff whatever the nickname is or whatever the original name is. Uh, it is. Hold on, I'm gonna tell you. So it used to be Miller Park, right? Great. Yeah. Obviously, Brewers. They brew beer. Miller Park. What a deal. They are now American Family Field. You know who you got to yell at? The American families. <laughs> we were, we're very pro American families podcast. Yes, Do yes. not cancel us. We're pro. No, you're uh you're like second cousin-in-law twice removed or whatever. Oh. Yeah. Well, my I don't even know what it is. Right. Uh it's very far <laughs> away uh related to a a minority owner of the Brewers. Yes, that's your in. Oh yeah. Yeah, we we chat all <laughs> the time about the baseball moves he doesn't control. He doesn't Tell control. him to bring you on full time. <laughs> yes. I don't know um, what you could do for the Brewers, but uh, let's, let's move on. Let's move on. So we, we talked about this briefly in one of our earlier podcasts about how the MLB makes deals with minor league team or minor league leagues uh, to test out 
new new ideas of what they could implement into baseball. Uh, Which is great, for the record. I, I love I love the baseball does. It's great, and they're splitting it out too, so that they can actually see what this one thing does, rather than hey, let's put it all in uh, this one league, and then you have no clue how each one affects. So uh, MLB just made a deal with the Atlantic League, um, and I have to say I'm very very fascinated with this idea i actually think it's a really cool idea um because in the nl you know we currently do not have a dh in the al they have a dh and it's always been this argument of purist versus traditional you know so on and so forth i've uh, since experiencing the dh in 2020 i've actually been kind of a fan of it i think it's it's a cool thing to not see the pitchers uh, come up in the rotation and suddenly you're like, great, well, I have bases loaded with two outs and now the pitcher's up. Great, great. You know, odds are not in our favor that anything good is going to happen. Well, and I love too the, the, like, the argument that people make. They're like, only thing pitcher's going to do up there is hurt himself. And it's like, it's so weird because it's like actually pitching is like the most yeah injury prone thing you can do in baseball. Hitting is not. That they argue all, it though. Say. They do argue that point a lot. And then uh, we have a coworker of ours who argues, which I think is a very good argument. The chess game that it presents of pinch hitters and and when you pull your starter out and and when you put in, you know, all these things back and forth. While I do find that interesting, I also like the excitement and, and the argument against baseball being boring is. There needs to be more offense. There needs to be more hits. There needs to be more balls in play. And typically when a pitcher comes to bat, it doesn't happen. So anyway, they're trying out what they're calling the double hook DH rule, which essentially means you have a DH that lines up with your starting pitcher. So the moment that your starting pitcher gets pulled, so does your DH. And then I believe... From then on out, you do a a pinch hitter or, or a the pitcher. relief it's pitcher. A pinch hitter or a pitcher. Yep. Um, I I mean, for me, I'm like, oh, this is an awesome compromise, right? It still gives you the uh, importance of your starting pitcher going for a while, so that you don't have to use a ton of pinch hitters. Uh, still gives you the chess game, but also gives you, you know, the excitement of not having your pitchers hit. Yeah, it's uh, I'm I'm I like I I like creative moves uh, that that get the pitcher out of hitting. I do. I'm gonna say it. It's uh, I think the universal DH is. We we all got to get on board with it because it's coming. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. It's, and it's I mean, all, it's just it, ready or not, <laughs> you know, it's not at this point. It, it's a, it doesn't even matter if you like the DH. It doesn't even matter. I like what they're saying here, too, is they say by linking the DH to the starting pitcher, the rule aims to incentivize teams to leave their starting pitchers in longer, increase the value of starters who can work deeper into games, but then also like. increase the strategic element in the late innings of the game. So you still get. You still get the strategy. That chess match when it matters in the later innings, and but that, yeah, and, and that's cool too because you get the like like late in games is it's it's like uh, 
when I say that I like the strategy of having to, you know, do you keep the pitcher, do you pull the pitcher, whatever, baseball is kind of cutting out the fat here. They're kind of like, yeah, but you're not pulling the pitcher the first five innings, most likely, anyway. So they're like, cool, so let's just DH while the starter's up there. Yep. Gives you more incentive to kind of leave that guy in. Then it's just adding an additional strategic element. I think it's a great rule. Uh, uh, I agree. on top of that, you're getting all these guys that are DH only and – which I also am like, uh, I, I have a love hate relationship with the DH, but I, I like the idea of like, okay, you can DH, but like, you're not going to get all, like, you're going to get two out of the three or three out of the four at bats. You know, it's, it's going to be less just like, oh, yeah, like, you know, this dude's 50 years old. He can't do anything but swing a bat. He can't run at all. He's fucking roided out of his mind. He's so fat, but like, he's got the most home runs in baseball. It's like, I, I, I there's a part of me that's kind of like, you should have to play the field. You should have to play the field. That's baseball. The one thing I do like about uh, the DH is sometimes you get guys, uh, you know, especially with how long it can take to get your first contract in baseball. This allows players to get a little bit longer of a contract so that they can uh, play the field. And then when their knees or whatever aren't as good, they can still just scoot over and become uh, a batter for a couple of seasons. I appreciate it in that regard because it allows players to get paid a bit longer like they deserve since it takes so long to get yeah. that contract up front. Well, it's um, kind of the classic sports conundrum, too, of like you have these really productive early young years where they like build the system so that you're not allowed to get paid really when you are like tend to be a little bit more productive. And mm-hmm. so it's very like you got to feel for these players a little bit. Uh, and then the other one which is really interesting and apparently they're only doing it for the second half of the season which is even more interesting yeah that's the weirdest part. Um, they are moving the pitching rubber back one foot yeah uh, so Not their whole down, point right? just back just back one foot um, in order to give batters more time to react to pitches I mean the best way to show this is like a 93 mile per hour fastball thrown from there would be equivalent of a 91 uh, mile per hour fastball thrown from the uh, you know normal point so it's Take you're losing off the, off the ball yeah a little bit of uh, the speed and then it'll in their opinion allow there to be more uh, offense moment, sorry. Uh, without being too disruptive um, to the game. I don't really have an opinion on this one. Um, their argument is there is a precedent for this change. We're going all the way back to 1893 for this precedent, uh, which is the National League moved the pitching rubber back five feet uh, in 1893. So let's just be clear, Bernie. In 1893, it was 55 feet. Okay. And uh, and so you know, a hundred years later, uh, or I mean, obviously over a hundred, a hundred. We've returned to our roots. Thirty years later, we're talking about moving it a foot. So, um, we will. Uh, I don't know. I mean, again, I don't know. And then the other thing that the Atlantic League does, which they'll just continue to do, is the uh, automated strike zone. I like that a lot. How how is that? Do we know? Do we have an idea of how that's going so far? <laughs> um, you know, the big thing 
let's see. They said, uh, I, I actually don't know. I know the one thing that they're still trying to figure out is, you know, the automated strike zone works on the idea that the ball catches, uh, you know, an edge or whatever. And they're having issues with it, like catching the lower edge and still being called a strike when it's like, would an ump ever call that a strike based on the way it is, but a computer would. Um, I think they're having trouble figuring out also on the plate, like where on the plate exactly, you know, is the black border a strike or is it the okay. moment it hits away? They're just adjusting all these details because I think it, it does start to matter. Um, you know, uh, I'm on the fence on that one. Like, I wouldn't mind if... <laughs> They were allowed umps to do it, and then if there was like a terrible call, they were like, "Yo, call that, change that." <laughs> mm -hmm. Can't, can't. Uh, that one, that one's a no. You know, Ryan, Ryan is incredibly anti-human uh, uh, umpires. For those of you who have not been listening every episode, well, I like the idea, but I mean, there were two examples I think last night that they showed, uh, you know, where it's like four inches out of the strike zone, and they called him a strike, and it's like. Yep, I told you about that one in the perfect game. Or in the, yep. Excuse me, in the no hitter. Yep, yep. So, uh, anyway, Bernie, uh, let's kind of roll through our listicle because of our technical yes. uh, issues. Kind of pushed us back on our time here. Yes, of course. Uh, did you do uh, double hook? We already covered Shohei Otani, so let's talk through the listicle. Uh, yeah. So um, I was I was kind of looking at how it's been a, a big season for injuries so far. Uh, recently, James Paxton went down. Uh, you know, Tatis. Everyone, everyone's getting hurt. Belly, cool belly's still it. out right now too. Belly's hurt. Even though every time a Dodger gets hurt, I'm like, yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> uh, so I said. Uh, Let's look at the top five uh, current players who uh, I think or we think that injuries might have like really wrecked their, let's say, their ascension to superstardom or maybe their kind of like um, their appearance as a superstar. They're kind of air, whatever. So it's like, for example, you know, we all love Mike Trout. He's amazing. The stats are incredible. But like what if Mike Trout was literally Mike Trout except he got hurt every year? And therefore, everyone was like, oh, man, what could have been? That's kind of the general idea of this listicle. It's not a very succinct way to put it, but that's kind of the idea. Yep. Uh, so I came up with the top five. Uh, Ryan, do you also want to take a stab at the top five, or do you want to just uh, comment? As per, uh, as mine's pretty point? close. There's a few people on the list that I would I would probably... Uh, There's one I, I, I know for a fact that you are, you are not going to like. <laughs> oh, um, well, let's see. Go for it. Well, number five for me was uh, Carlos Correa. Uh, Ryan, I have a feeling you're not going to agree with this one. Uh, former number one overall pick from the 2012 draft. Uh, the dude is a uh, defensively a very good shortstop. Uh, offensively, he's built like A-Rod. He's huge. He's got power. Uh, he's got a beautiful swing. Uh, he's got swagger to his game. Great sense uh, of hearing. He can hear that, that trash can from anywhere. One of the best hearers in baseball <laughs> history. Uh, right on it. Best hearers. Um, He's had many injuries throughout his career. He's kind of one of those guys every year. He's out for a couple of weeks. Uh, early in his career, too, he, he was off to a really nice tear his rookie year, his next year as well, sophomore year. And he started hurting his back pretty early on in his career, and that kind of put a real cap, put a real cap on the number of games he started playing. Uh, he's already like an all-star caliber shortstop, and, and everybody you know everybody in baseball knows his name. He's a household name. Uh, frankly, for the, for, for the negative 
you know, parts of the, the cheating scandal, which I don't know if we've ever brought up on this podcast. But yeah, I don't um, think we've discussed it. We'll have to we'll have to do it one episode. <laughs> one day. One day. One day. Uh, and then uh but I would say um the um Oh, what was it called? But but I, I think he could legitimately be like one of those perennial like top five players in baseball if he hadn't gotten so hurt yeah. so early. Um, you want me to keep going down the list? You want to start with your five? How are we going to do it? Uh, I'll I'll add a couple in there because I agree with uh, most of yours. I just have a couple additions, but you keep going, and then I'll I'll just add on to your list. Okay, cool. So at my number four, do. do do I had AJ Pollock? Uh, I couldn't guy, agree more. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> yeah, AJ AJ Pollock's a guy. Kind of made his bones with the um, with the with the uh, made his bones. Is that a phrase people understand? Uh, <laughs> kind of made his bones uh, with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, kind of a do everything center fielder. Not bad defensively. Uh, hitting wise, I mean, you could lock him in for let's see about I mean three hundred to three fifteen. For a couple of years, first year two seven or he, we went 270, 300, 315, uh, and then he started getting injured. Uh, so basically, twenty five through twenty seven do look like a superstar. We're talking about you know a twenty home run season in twenty fifteen, uh, an OPS around eight fifty. All those years, he just he looked really great, uh, and he just like he's just the quintessential. Just like gets really hurt every year, uh, but he also is just hurt. like notorious for bad luck injuries like he had a, yes. a a procedure on his elbow right and it healed up and he started the season and looked great and then they pulled him out because of the injury and it was basically like the metal plate in his elbow came loose you know and it was like what how does that happen and so they had to go in and pull it out and you know just these things that like aren't supposed to occur every time he starts like catching fire he gets just these really bad luck injuries yeah you, you gotta feel you gotta feel for him even though he, he won a world series so you don't gotta feel too badly for him <laughs> yeah. yep uh your number three uh, I, I highly agree with as well yes my number three uh do 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 is why am i missing this matt harvey Oh, yeah, because it's on the lower part of the page. Matt yeah. Harvey. Uh, Matt Harvey, uh, the Dark Knight of Gotham, uh, as he was dubbed by Sports Illustrated back yep. in 2013, which I fucking I thought that was like one of the cooler nicknames. Uh, he you know, came out like gangbusters. He had that, that beautiful, beautiful Roger Clemens-esque uh, delivery method. Uh, he looked great. And then just injury after injury, uh, started with the Tommy John, didn't get any better. He started getting weird ones the older he got in his career, which was unfortunate. Um but he, uh, yeah, you, you feel for the guy. He's on the Orioles now. He pitched actually okay his first game, but we, we all know, you know, he's just he's never going to be that elite dominant pitcher. No. Um, the Mets have a, have a lot of guys, have a lot of pitchers like that, but Matt Harvey is definitely the one where I, I would say that, so there's a lot of pitchers I kind of have on this list, uh, and many of them are, they show flashes of greatness. Uh, guys like Michael Pineda, guys like James Paxton, in my opinion, guys like Noah Syndergaard, uh, I think just kind of like flashes of brilliance. Matt Harvey has had that dominant Cy Young caliber season. He's had the comeback season. Like he pitched really, really well in 2015 when they made the World Series. Um, so in my opinion, I just put Matt Harvey at three because I was like, this is a guy, he wasn't a flash in the pan. He was a legitimate 
No, he was going to be great. He was going to be. He put it together. Because I think there's always, I always, I honestly think baseball, there's always talented guys and there's guys that put it together. And it, it can be both, but it's not, it's, it's, it's not fair to give a guy like, you know, like Jameson, Jameson Tyon is another great example right now where former Pittsburgh guy, uh, he's on the Yankees right now. He's, he's been hurt. Everybody's been talking about how like he, he was a top prospect. He's shown flashes of greatness, but I, I just don't think it's fair to really like anoint these guys until they do at least one full season of like really dominant pitching. And that's yeah. Dream Matt Harvey. Uh, I'm going to squeeze in two guys before you go to your top two because I think please. these guys are lower on the list than than where you're going. Uh, Hinjin Ru is one that, like, yeah. obviously I, I followed his career closely. He signed with L.A. Uh, he's doing better now, I find. He's staying healthier uh, later in his career. But, man, guy would always come out and just be look like the most dominant Pitcher, he's going to win the Cy Young this year, and then he'd get injured for a month or two, and uh, it just would derail that season. And it happened to him almost every season. I believe there was a season he had to sit out uh, the whole season, if I'm not mistaken, for uh, his back or something like that. And it was always just such a bummer to see. Um, like I said, he's been doing a better job. I think he takes better care of himself now than he did when you're young you know when you're young and you feel like you're invincible even though you're not and you don't do everything you're supposed to and then the other one that you put in here which i i find really funny because i don't know if i would say these guys would actually go lower because i want to say you derailed their career but their careers yeah. are constantly plagued with injuries is right like, like guys who like Stanton. and that's what i'm saying it doesn't have to be like oh he doesn't have a career like aj yeah. pollock is kind of the guy whose like career kind of got fucked up but like you can also be like for me correa is a guy who i just think should be a top three player but instead yep. he's a top 30 player top 40 player but judge and stanton it's like the one two combo of yeah. you know the yankees I that i put them together. offenses <laughs> uh, uh you know they when they are great they are great but man, do those both of them uh, mm-hmm. deal with so many injuries so much it, of the time. I think it was twenty was it twenty fifteen, twenty sixteen? Like the one year that Stanton was healthy the whole year and he's in Miami, which is a total hitters or pitchers park, and he hits like fifty eight fucking yeah. home runs. Yeah. It's like Oh yeah, you're healthy one year and like look how fucking incredible you are. It's like if if he can stay healthy, man, he's you know, both of them are fantastic, uh, but yeah, they get they get injured a lot. Um, and then I think, I mean, go through your number two. I think your number one is probably the true number one, <laughs> injury wise. Uh, my number two is uh, Byron Buxton. Uh, not a name outside of baseball that most people know. Um, he was the number two pick in the 2012 draft, the Carlos Correa draft, uh, which was a pretty loaded top two. In my opinion, uh, all the talent in the world, always been incredible. Cannot stay healthy. It's freak injuries. It's non-freak injuries. It's everything. He's off to a tear this year. It's gonna hurt me so bad because I'm a big Buxton fan. I just I like what he brings to the game. He's he's probably the best defensive center fielder in the game. He's definitely the fastest player in the game, uh, and it's just gonna hurt me so bad when he gets hurt for half the season. Uh, yep. But he is he is very much a guy who. In that more in that more AJ Pollock mold of like he could be a top ten player in baseball. He's definitely the best or the top two defensive center fielder in the whole game. He's basically the fastest guy. He's got some of the best exit velocities of any 
batter, period. Like, he just, he's got all the tools. He plays amazingly well. He's just always hurt. Yep. Uh, number one guy, guy that Ryan agrees with, guy that I agree with. And again, this is the, I guess we'll call it, we're calling it the Carlos Correa mold of, yes, he's been great, but he should be, like, elite. He's, yeah, like, he's been fantastic, but he could have been mm-hmm. beyond. I mean, and that's, he could have uh, entered Mr. another level, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and that's Steven Strasburg. Uh, another guy famously gets a lot of injuries. Uh, got very hurt uh, early in his career. Uh, came out like gangbusters. Uh, just watching him pitch was like it looked different. Like the way he threw it, the 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 speed of the ball was just like everything was so sharp and so fast. It was kind of you Darvish before you Darvish, in my opinion. Not as varied of a pitch mix as you Darvish, but I, I feel like with I feel like when you throws the ball, you're like, oh my god, like this is doing different things than I've ever really seen a ball do, and that was Strasburg for me. Uh, and yeah, just injury after injury, and again, it's the same thing, right? You know, he stays healthy for a season, and, and boom, World Series MVP, right? Oh yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah, you hate to see it. I mean, this past off season, he had surgery for like carpal tunnel syndrome. I mean, this dude is just all He's over the place, a lot. A lot. <laughs> yeah, so that's my list. Uh, Ryan, any other list thoughts, or do we move on to the corner? We move on to the corner because, the unfortunately, corner. Uh, I have to get to work relatively. Oh, my God. I don't have to get to work. I'm okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, last week we teased it. We're going to move on. We're going we're gonna to expand outside of the baseball world, a little bit into just sports movies in general. Ryan goes, uh, yeah, you know, we could talk about some crappy sports movie like Draft Day. And he happened to name the one sports movie that I love so much. I own it on Amazon Prime. Uh, I do have to give a clarifier to that. Uh, the reason I don't like it is because it's only a great story, in my opinion, is if it's true. It would be like if Moneyball was a movie without Moneyball ever happening. You'd be like, oh, I guess... I guess if someone did that, it would be kind of cool. That's my I argument. Will, I My argument is sort of a counter to this. I don't like when movies claim to be true because no movie is really true. Um, true, true. So, like, to me, and this is like my constant gag, is I hate it when movies are advertised as based off of a true story because my response is always... I'm paying to see a movie. Like, go write a fake story that's good. I don't care if your true story is decent. I want a good story. Make it fake if you have to. Uh, my my case for draft day is 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 as follows. Uh, I love the NFL draft. I think I love it more than anything in sports. I don't know how to explain it. I just I grew up loving the draft. Uh, it's very fun for me. It's kind of like before there was fantasy sports, there was the draft, which was the closest thing we got to fantasy sports. And it's, you know, everyone has potential. You get to, you know, you get to get excited for the future of football teams and all that. Uh, and then they told us they were making a movie about the draft. And I was like, I'm going to love this. Uh, this movie is so like, it is such a blatant two hour long commercial for the NFL. Like, I don't think they realize like how beautifully they execute like like I don't think they were trying to be campy 
or like in your face, haha, it's all an NFL ad. But that's what it is. And it's so bad. And it's like all the characters are such it's it's hilarious to me, this movie. I mean, let's start with Kevin Costner, who looks like he's about a hundred years old in this movie. And yet his what's his main or his secondary emotional plot line is that he's not sure if he's ready to be a father. And like my running gag every time I watch this movie, because I watch the movie every year with people. Uh, right before the NFL draft is, yeah, of course you're not ready to be a father because you're ready to be a grandfather, dude. Like, you're way too fucking old to be caring about this type of thing. Uh, every character is such a fucking stereotype of, like, the quarterback we're not supposed to like is, like, the biggest little piece of shit. And, like, the linebacker that we're supposed to love is, like, every little thing he's done is, like, the greatest thing of all time. Like, like even in the game, he got kicked out. He got kicked out for giving the football to his like dying sister, and like every little thing he does is like, oh, you're you're the greatest human. Uh, but the best part of this movie, in my opinion, and this is is this is a line I repeat with my friends many times, is uh, the owner of the Cleveland Browns in this movie is apparently some genre of of water park tycoon, <laughs> because he meets Kevin Costner's GM character. At his water park, where he proceeds to tell Kevin Costner that he needs to make a splash in this year's NFL draft. <laughs> they set the whole thing in a water park for that one setup. And then on top of that, he has this—he has an all-time line, in my opinion. He goes, people don't pay to enter the park. They pay to get wet. <laughs> it's like, it's so bad and so good at the same time. I'm like, Bernie, are you making an argument of why not to watch this movie or why to watch it? Because I don't know which. I'm I'm basically saying that I I love – if you like sports drafts in general, even if you're like, hey, I play fantasy sports and the draft is my favorite part, which is what I do, then this movie is just reminiscent enough of why you like that to keep you interested. But also it's so patently ridiculous from start to finish yeah, it's like it's like a made-for-TV movie. No, it's like a made-for-TV infomercial. Like it's even like calling this thing a movie is not is is giving it so much more credit than it deserves. And that's why I fucking love it. Like if it if it if they had tried to make if this is incredible. This is movie, very it would have been so bad. This is very incredible to me. How this is supposed to be an argument of why. I should like this movie, and so far, I feel like you're reinforcing my opinion on the movie. You're telling me that you've never like watched a movie that was like so ridiculous that you, like you couldn't help but grin from ear to ear. Uh, yeah, I guess I guess that's a fair argument. I guess that's that's, that's this movie gives me the little morsel of the NFL. Not a little morsel. It's it's a big old morsel of the NFL draft. So I'm generally happy that I'm there. Okay. And then it's okay. so ridiculous that I'm just grinning from ear to ear the whole I time. Can, I can give you that because there are things that, you know, are silly that give me uh, plenty of joy. So. It, it's just there's so much. Even the end where Chris Berman just narrates how you're supposed to feel. Where he just dumps exposition. Like, like what is an exposition dump doing in a movie like this? You know what I mean? Like, the whole movie is like a commercial and yet we need an expedi- we need an exposition dump at the end like at the end of the movie Chris Berman just gives you a speech that's like and in case you didn't get it this is why the plot was cool <laughs> like that's like that's the ending speech of the movie it's incredible <laughs> like it's just 
Oh man, dude, and I'm not kidding. I'm giving you the light version of why I like this movie. Like it, I could go on for another full podcast. <laughs> all right, well that's fair. You know, um, I'm I'm all right with that. I guess. Ryan, I'm gonna try and I'm trying to do another Zoom drink along to this movie pre-draft, probably like a week before the draft. I don't care what you're doing. I'm sending you an invite. If you don't show up, doesn't matter. You're still getting the invite. When is the draft? Soon. Drafts in two weeks. Two weeks. So I'm hoping maybe the weekend after next, whatever the I weekend normally, before the draft is. I normally don't pay attention because uh, my team doesn't draft until like the second day. Rams fan over here. Not yeah. a big deal. Every time. Every, I mean, never we're... Heard of a, never, never, never seen a first-round pick they, they didn't want to sell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm like, oh, uh, the first day of the draft's coming up. I'm not interested. But, you know, I'll watch it anyway because I like to see what happens. Uh, well, you know, we'll see if I join. Maybe, maybe not, you know. Maybe, maybe. But, well, let's uh, wrap it up, Ryan. Uh, all right. Been a fun week of baseball. Going to be another fun week of baseball. Uh, thanks for joining us. Absolutely. And uh, we'll see you next week. Uh, we're trying to record every Wednesday, so you get an episode every Thursday. I know today we're off a day. That's Bernie's fault. Blame him. Don't blame me. I'm so punctual and never flaky. Ever. Flaky. Ever. Blame, blame Bernie who 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 puts together the runs that rundowns. Blame Bernie who keeps listicle. who keeps this podcast together. Blame Bernie. Blame Bernie. Physically puts it together and then physically puts it online. <laughs> and on that note, uh, we love whoever is out there listening to us, and uh, we'll see you next week. Bye.